Do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, quote, The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him that precious son, the name Jesus. Thank you. Thank you for that. I'm a little dry this morning, so if it's okay, I'm going to take a quick sip. Interesting, as, um, as I have studied and as many of you have studied um, the book of Matthew, and especially these verses, it's interesting that um, the story is, um, as it is told by Matthew, um, very succinctly, as it was shared this morning, uh, there's a lot to it. Um, we, uh, I want to give a little background because I think it will help, um, and, and you may know this, um, so bear with me a little bit. Uh, but it's it's interesting as. As Matthew tells this story of Joseph and Mary, and we've talked about uh, over the last few weeks um, the idea of the strength that this young lady uh, had to have had to uh, to find herself in this situation, and then all of the I'm sure um, humans we as people haven't changed a whole lot over the years. Um, we're really quick to judge people. Uh, we're really quick to uh, to to quickly, um, you know, maybe whisper a little bit in the background, and I'm sure Mary had to hear a lot of that and 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 heard about a lot of that, and and so we Matthew writes, or uh, the book of Matthew is written basically to the Jewish people. Um, Matthew's um, purpose is to. Um, convey the message that to the Jews that this was God's plan and that uh, the virgin birth and the way it all took place had been prophesied and had been what the Jews had been looking for 
um, all of these years, all of these centuries, all down through time, the prophecies of a Messiah, the prophecies, um, it came through the Jews. Okay? Indeed, Jesus came for the Jew and the Gentile, came for everybody, but he came through the Jewish lineage. So he begins uh, with Matthew, begins um, his book with the genealogy, okay, and begins and then ends with Joseph to show the Jews that this son, his son, uh, uh, that Joseph's son was from that line in which he was to come. So it's very Jewish in, its, in the way it is written, um, and it's written in a way that sometimes is difficult for us um, in the Western world to comprehend. We read about what was said here that, that um, Mary um, and Joseph um, were engaged or were uh, betrothed. And in the Jewish um, culture, um, what would happen would be a young girl, and sometimes a young man, sometimes an older man. Um, but what would happen is families would get together, and they would say, um, we would like, they, believe it or not, they even used matchmakers to do this from time to time to help put couples together. So in this period, what has taken place is that Joseph and Mary, uh, their, their marriage was prearranged, okay? And then the second thing that takes place is called the betrothal, or what happens is at some point, this prearrangement can be done without the knowledge of either of the parties, but then there comes a point when the bride can say, yes, I agree, or the bride can say, no, I disagree, and then I'm sure that there will be some conversation, and at some point they do their best to try to make sure that she changes her mind and says, I do agree, because there's some financial stuff that is part of this uh, is part of this, and so where we find ourselves today when we read this is that they have entered into the the, the betroth the that second stage of their uh, engagement, you might say, and so it says that Mary is betrothed to um, Joseph. Okay. That period was typically about a year. So, first, the prearrangement, they say, they, both parties agree, um, yes, uh, we will marry. Then there's this period of one year where they are betrothed to each other. And then after that period, then they would then... Um, be married and consummate the marriage. So what we find here is that um, it says that Joseph 
had learned that his wife-to-be had become pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Now, another thing to remember is to the Jewish people, all down through history, the Holy Spirit was the active, ever-working, ever-engaging um, um, of God with His people. So the Holy Spirit was the, the person who would appear, maybe sometimes as an angel, maybe sometimes as other, uh, in other ways, but would come and then would um, be the active working um, in people's lives. And so it would have not surprised them to hear, and it might not have surprised Joseph, which was probably why he was willing to say, oh, I get it. It's the Holy Spirit that has done this. I understand the, what, what has been spoken of and what's going to happen. So it was probably a little easier for him to, to, to accept that and to understand it. It didn't make it... Um, in the beginning, obviously, he had those thoughts of divorcing her. He even would have had the right to have had her killed. If in that period of betrothal, they would, um, he would have said... Whoa, this young lady's been unfaithful to me. I, you know, da 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 da. I can, I, I could have her put away, or I could have her killed. Um, so, so, I want us to think of those things as we, um, yeah, we haven't started yet. So, I want you to be thinking of those, those things as we, um, as, as I kind of lay out, um, this idea of joy and um, and finding God's way, because in our Western culture we may we 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 will have a tendency to to run through the Scripture real quick and pass through things like you know the idea that um, the Holy Spirit has done this. I mean, if I were let's let's just. Um, I'm going to make an example, and it's not going to be a real one. So, if my child would come to me and say, Dad, um, I'm with child. I go, really? Now, I don't know that's how I'd react. I'm just making this up as I go. Okay. <laughs> but, but um, probably one of the first things would be, who is the father? And if she were to say, "Well, Dad, I haven't had, I haven't been with anyone. It just happened. It must have been by the Holy Spirit." I would kind of go, "Okay, uh, you know, da 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 da." But you, you get where I'm coming from. So here we have, here we have this situation. Joseph is told that his wife-to-be is with child. And he's going to do what he's going to do because it's his right as a husband-to-be. And he's going to divorce her quietly. And he's going to move on with his life. And she's going to move on with her life. 
But in our scripture this morning, the angel came to Joseph in a dream and said, Joseph, don't do that. Because Mary's pregnancy is caused by the Holy Spirit. And so, again, I want us to see from... Uh, always when you read scripture and always when you study scripture, you want some context. It's very difficult sometimes, again, in our Western culture to understand certain things. Now, I spent more time that on that than I really intended to, but I kind of wanted to lay that out so that you would, you would understand, um, hopefully, where we're headed this morning. The fact that Jesus was born to Mary, even though she had not had sexual relations with Joseph, needed to be explained to Matthew's readers. That's what I just kind of did with you, is that he wanted the Jews to know that this is what was prophesied. This is how it was going to happen. This is how God spoke through his prophets in years and centuries before. In this section, Matthew relates the story behind Jesus' birth and how all attempts to thwart God's plan go awry when God is involved. We can appreciate God's miraculous working in both Joseph and Mary. Although God's actions are beyond human comprehension, and although they may have faced misunderstanding and questioning looks from those around them, Mary and Joseph willingly followed God's guidance. How willing are we to do what God wants no matter what? I mean, that's a tough, that would have been a tough spot to be in, wouldn't it? Can we follow God's guidance in our lives without question? That's the question for this morning. And I want to try to help you answer those as I've tried to answer them for myself. The first thing I, I want to say is that joy, and that's may not sound like it, but that's the topic for today. <laughs> joy, God's way is not always our way. Joseph, as I said, had every human right to do away with Mary and divorce her and even put her to death. Can you imagine what was racing through his mind? How about what Mary must have been thinking? When the psalmist says, Your ways are not my ways, O Lord. Do you think that would have helped Joseph and Mary in the middle of their chaos? What should have been a joyous occasion, a couple expecting their first baby, was now marred with what seemed like an immoral soap opera. Matthew explains that Mary was pregnant through the Holy Spirit, a divine initiative. So it was God's initiative. And that, again, is what Matthew is trying to get across. And I think that's what we, how we need to see it as his people. He is initiating what's going to happen. He is, in, he, he is the one who puts into play the things that cause 
this to take place. It didn't have anything to do really with Mary. It didn't really have anything to do with Joseph. Their part was to be obedient and to do what was they were asked to do. And so in that way, we can truly say God's way is not our way. Because they certainly didn't choose that or would not have chosen that for themselves. Why is the virgin birth important to the Christian faith? Good question. The answer is pretty simple. Jesus Christ, God's Son, had to be free from the sinful nature that was passed on from man, from Adam. Okay? He could not be the sinless, sinless, unblemished sacrifice that was needed for our salvation had Mary gave birth to him in the natural way, in the natural way of pregnancy and birth. Because Jesus was born of a woman... He was a human being. So not only was he born sinless, he was also born as we are born. Born through childbirth. And as the Son of God, Jesus was born without trace of human sin. You see, he had to be both fully God and fully human. Okay? He had to be both. If he were not, he could not be our Savior. He could not understand us and what we go through. The infinite, unlimited God took on the limitations of humanity so that he could live and die for the salvation of all who believe in him. Because Jesus lived as a man... We know that he fully understands and experiences and did experience our struggles. It's interesting, I was reading a commentator this week, and from about two years old to 30 years of age, Jesus' life is really not covered or known or much any anything is written about it. So in the Bible, we see them as a family leaving for Egypt, returning from Egypt. We hear of him once at about 12 years of old age in um, at the uh, in his, he tells his mother, "Where would you think I'd be?" I'd be in my father's house. So he was, he was in church. And then he comes again onto the scene at 30 years of age. So we don't see a lot in between. So there's a lot of speculation. One writer tends to believe that he had to grow up. His father, we don't hear any more about his father. And as the oldest son of the family, he probably had to take on a lot of responsibilities. Now, 
I'm not in any way sitting up here trying to say that I know. I'm just assuming that as in the Jewish culture and in their culture, you know, that as the oldest boy, his responsibilities um, were to help his mother and his, sis- and his and his siblings, and to to be. He we know he was a carpenter. It's probably how he how he made his money. Um, his father most likely taught him the trade, and then he took it on again. What I'm trying to say is that even though the Bible does not give us verbatim what happened to Jesus in between, when we saw him in the temple, and then he begins his ministry, most likely he was living out the life pretty ordinarily like most of us do. He understood what it meant to work. He understood probably what it meant to pay bills. He understood probably all of the things that we understand, uh, that, we, that we see and that we face. And so keep that in mind. Even though the Bible, the Bible does not clearly state this is what was going on in his life, he was a, young, a Jewish young man, and most likely that was what was happening. So, so he could say that he experienced and understands our struggles. He could say that he understood what it was like to go through life. He understood probably, um, you know, took, was on the short end of, of, uh, of things uh, when it comes to kids in the schoolyard and all those other kind of things. You know, he, you know, he, he, un- he, he lived the life of a human. Yet, he was still fully God. Because he is God, he has the power and authority to deliver us from sin. We can tell Jesus all our thoughts, all our feelings, all our needs. He's been where we are now. And he has the full power of heaven to help us. The full power and authority of heaven to help us. That's why he had to be born of a virgin. That's why his birth had to take place like it did. That's why it was so important. You see, without the virgin birth, there'd be no forgiveness of sin. There'd be no possibility of God's kingdom coming to earth or even in heaven. This is cause for great joy. There's the word. This is cause for great joy. For us, even though it must have been utter confusion for Mary and Joseph. You see, God's ways are not our ways. And I think we, we should think twice when we want to say, God... Or Jesus, why won't you help me? Because I think he is. He always is. He has that authority. He has that power. And that he is always working 
in our situation and in our circumstances. Even though we don't know, even though we can't necessarily sense that. You see, that's what separates joy from happiness. Happiness comes to us based on circumstances and on things that happen around us. Joy comes because we know that Jesus knows us, understands us, loves us, and has all the authority and all the power of heaven to help us when in fact he is helping us. Because we don't always know what the long game is. We don't always know that. God's way is not always our way. Number two, God's way always saves. God assured Joseph that he would not destroy Joseph's life. The name Jesus means the Lord saves. It always has and always will. Jesus always saves and brings life. Satan is the one who always steals and kills and destroys. When facing big decisions, some people might freeze with fright. What if I decide wrong? What if I make the wrong decision? What if I do this incorrectly? What if I miss God's will? And all the what-if questions that we have as we live our lives. To make good decisions, first take all these worries and put them under God's promise. Take all those things that worry you, those questions that you have, and put them under God's promise that He cares for you, watches over you, and guides your steps. Now, He gave you a brain. He gave me one. Probably not as big as yours. But He gave me one, too. And so we... We, we have to use that, too, when we make decisions in life. But when we come to that point that we've, we've prayed for it, we've prayed through it, and we still haven't seen a clear answer, that's okay. Move forward. Move forward. Because He cares for you. He desires the best for you. He loves you. He wants your best. For you in your life. That's how God's ways always save. You see, Joseph came to the best decision he could, but God had other plans, and he made them very clear. Most of our decisions will not be overruled by angels, but there's no reason for lacking confidence. To make good decisions, pray, evaluate all the options, talk with trusted friends, act in faith. God is with you. He cares for you every step of the way. Number three, God's ways always, and I like this one, God's ways always have God's presence in them. 
Think about that. You don't really have to say a whole lot more than that. God's ways always have God's presence in them. We sang this morning, Emmanuel. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel. It means God is with us. God is with us. That's why we can have joy. Not because our circumstances are spot on perfect. Not because we have everything we ever thought we'd ever want. But because God is with us. God is with you. God was with Mary and God was with Joseph. God's presence should bring us great joy and peace. Even when his ways do not make a lick of sense to us. That is hard. To us or our cultural norms, like was the case with Mary and Joseph. Sometimes they just don't make sense. As I said, God's way is not always our way. But God's way always saves. And God's way always has God's presence in it. God's ways will require risk. God's ways will require risk. Joseph put his life and his reputation on the line when he decided to go do things God's way. He changed his plans quickly after learning about God's plan for his life from the angel. He obeyed God and proceeded with the marriage plans with Mary. You see, he was also at risk, continuing with his betrothal to Mary and eventual marriage to Mary. Because there would still be those who would say, yeah, she was with child before he married her, and you know all the all the talk that would happen, all the things that would be said, but he didn't care. It didn't bother him. He was willing to risk and to take the risk to do things God's way. Although others may have disapproved of his decision, Joseph went ahead with what he knew was right, God's way of doing things. Sometimes we avoid doing what is right because of what others think. Sometimes we're a little, have a little trouble doing what we know is right because we fear what others might say about us and think about us. And that's natural. I, we all feel it. You know what? Jesus felt it in his life. You know, he claimed to be the Messiah, the Son of God. Did he get a lot of ridicule for that? You betcha he did. You betcha he did. But he did what he knew was right. And sometimes we have to take a bit of a beating. And I don't mean that physically. But I mean, you know, we have to, we have to take risks. We have to put ourselves out there to do what is right. To do what is right. 
There's always great risk in following God's way from a human perspective. However, however, I'm glad there's a however to that. We should have great joy in the fact that we are following God's way. That's where the joy comes in. The joy doesn't come in when we choose not to go God's way. The joy comes when we choose to do God's way, no matter what. And number five, there's only 17 more to go. No, just kidding. Number five, God's way requires sacrifice. Joseph did what, he, Joseph did what God wanted, even though it could have cost him everything. Even his impending marriage to Mary. God's way is not always easy. Sometimes it will require sacrifice. Not to be confused with risk, but sacrifice. That goes a little bit deeper. Just a little bit deeper. We will open up the potential for God's fullest blessings if we're willing to sacrifice our agendas and our plans in order to do things God's way. So in this story of Joseph and Mary and, and the decision to go through with the marriage on Joseph's part and to obey uh, what God was leading him and Mary to, they probably weren't always happy. But they had a joy that comes from serving God and from doing what they knew was right. You see, they understood that God's way was not always their way and it's not always our way. But that God's way always saves. There's redemption and salvation in God's way. God's ways always have God's presence. Yes, God's ways will require some risk. And God's ways may also require some sacrifice. But if you want the joy, the joy that comes because of Christmas, that comes because of the birth of our Savior, who came to us through a virgin, who came to us fully human and fully God. If you want that joy, then you have to be willing to... Find his way in your life. It may not be an easy way, but his way is the right way. Joy, we sing about it and think that it's an automatic reality at Christmas. But the fact is, joy comes from following God's way. You see, we can try to manufacture happiness. We can try to manufacture joy, but it will only come to us as we follow God and His plan for our lives. God cares for you. He cares for me. He watches over us. He guides our steps. Joseph came to the best decision of obedience and surrender to God's plan and made it clear he had made his choice clear. Emmanuel, 
God is with us. Regardless of surrounding circumstances and feelings, sing joy to the world, knowing that Jesus has come. Jesus has come to be with you and to be with me. Every day, no matter what. Every day, no matter what. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, a former minister of Westminster Chapel in London, wrote a book called Spiritual Depression. In it, he says, the devil's one object is to so depress God's people so that he can do to the man of the world, he can go to the man of the world and say, there's God's people. Do you want to be like that? Lloyd-Jones goes on to say, in a sense, of de- in a sense depressed Christian is a contradiction to, of terms. And he is a very poor recommendation of the gospel. We're living in a very pragmatic age. People today are not primarily interested in truth. They're interested in results. The one question they ask is, does it work? They're frantically seeking and searching for something that can help them. Nothing is more important, therefore, than when we should be delivered from a condition that gives other people looking at us the impression to be a Christian means to be unhappy and sad. To be morbid. And that the Christian is one who scorns delight and lives laborious days. You see, Satan can't rob us of our salvation, but he can definitely rob us of our joy. His greatest concern is to prevent anyone becoming a Christian. But when that fails, his one object then is to make them miserable Christians. So that he can point men who are under conviction of sin and say to them, that's Christianity. (coughs) Excuse me. Look at him or her. There is a picture of Christianity. Look at that miserable creature. Is that what you want people to say when they look at you? In this season, we can have joy. And we can have joy because God has come. Emmanuel is with us. Our circumstances might not be exactly what we want them to be. But we can have a joy that transcends everything that's going on around us if we're willing to live our lives the way that he wants us to live our lives and follow him and trust him. That's where joy comes from. That's the joy of Christmas. That's the joy of the Savior who's born. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the truth of your word. Thank you for the message that speaks truth to us. Thank you for being here. Thank you for helping us to have open minds and open hearts. I just pray now, Father, that we would all experience the joy of the Lord in our lives. That even though circumstances around us are difficult, and I'm not trying to underplay those any at all, there can still be a joy that transcends that. 
And that is why you came to the world. That is why we celebrate this Advent season and this Christmas season. is because you, Emmanuel, have come to live with us, to be with us, to guide us, to lead us. Thank you so much for that promise and that truth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.